Ahí va Bota. Pelota para Eric Gutiérrez. Cae solo. El gol. Bota, gol. You may have left Liga MX, but the spirit of Botta lives on in the intro for the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. This is Tom Harrison here with another episode after Jornada 5 of the 2017 Clausura. And uh, this week, as my big topic, I've taken inspiration. Um, well, I'm pretty much just exactly answering a question I was given. And the question is from someone you may have heard of before. Um, goes by at Cesar H Football on Twitter. And Cesar asked me, what would your starting eleven be for a Liga MX All-Star team? Now, I thought, you know, this is such a big question and one I can, I can talk about for quite a while. So, yeah, I thought, why not um, have a little chat about this as my big topic for this week? I, I was thinking perhaps discussing Chivas after the weekend... Um, but yeah, I thought, why not do this um, for something a little bit different? So, uh, my all-star team, and I'm going to run through the players and give a little explanation why I've picked them you know, individually and how they fit into the team. And you know, to clarify, this is what I think would be the strongest team, not necessarily the biggest stars. And also, I have not included some of the players that have recently joined the league, just because I haven't seen them enough. So, like, you know, Vargas may become a consideration. Uh, Advincula, the right-back who's joined Tigres, could potentially become the best right-back in the league. I don't know. You know, that I have to wait and see. So, I've gone for a 4-2-3-1, sort of, with this team. And... Um, let's start off in goal at the back. And this was a tough one. You know, for a long time I've been saying that Marchesin is probably the best keeper in the league. But after having a think about it, maybe influenced by some recent performances, I've gone for Volpi. And, you know, Thiago Volpi has been in incredible form recently. Um, whilst Marchesin hasn't had the best start to his life with America. You know, a lot of the goals that he's conceded, he, there's not much he could do about them. But, you know, some have been critical. Uh, Volpi, on the other hand, has just been outstanding. And he's just such an incredible keeper. His reflexes are absolutely extraordinary. You know, the, some of the flying saves he makes and the, the quick reactions um, to, to stop shots... Is incredible, and I mean, they go back to the performance in the Copa Merkis final when he basically single-handedly won it for Querétaro. I don't, I've never seen a goalkeeper play better than that, or a goalkeeper have more of an influence on a match than that. You know, a string of extraordinary saves in normal time to keep Querétaro in the game when Chivas were dominating, and then to go and make three penalty saves. He was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So I would have Volpi and go. Marchesin perhaps better at one-on-ones. Um, but, you know, with the defence I've got, I'm not sure we'd be letting too many one-on-ones through. So for the um, you know, long-range efforts and, um, you know, fantastic stop, uh, <laughs> shot-stopping, I'm going for Volpi and go. Left-back was a tricky one. Uh, you know, I mean, left-back's one of those positions 
where in the world there aren't that many strong left backs. I mean, I think Alaba and Mar- Marcelo are world class players, but apart from that, in the world there aren't that many great left backs. I've gone boring, to be honest. I've gone for Torres Nilo because I think he's solid and dependable in Liga Mekis. I know for Mexico he has been far from solid and dependable. But in the league for Tigres, he he does a good job. He offers some threat going forward. Um, he he's sensible defensively. He you know holds his position pretty well. He's not caught out much. There aren't. I I can't really recall many times I've I've been like oh, well the reason Tigres have conceded that goal is because of Torres Nilo because he's you know dived in missed the tackle or. His positioning's poor and he's played them all on side or he's let his man go free at the far post. I don't often see that from Torres Nilo where I find myself often criticising other fullbacks in the league for mistakes leading to goals. So I've gone for Torres Nilo, solid, dependable. Centre-backs, I had, I really had three in mind that I wanted and at, for a time I was like, hey, I should go three at the back here. But I stuck with the full-man defence. Um... And I made a tough decision by leaving someone out. The two I've gone for are Oscar Maria from Pachuca and uh, America's Pablo Aguilar. The one I left out is Gerardo Alcoba. Now, all three of these have something in common, which is something that always impresses me so much in centre-backs and makes a centre-back stand out from the crowd. And that's their reading of the game and ability to make interceptions. So uh, Murillo, Aguilar and Alcoba are all so, so good at reading the game, judging where the ball is going pretty much and judging whether they can step up and make that interception or whether they need to hold back, cover and keep their shape, keep their position. And the amount of times you see these players make interceptions is quite ridiculous in some games it's just endless the amount of times they're stepping up and winning the ball back and that's so important and helpful for their teams because it it can quickly get you on the counter-attack so I've I've gone for these players the reason I've gone for Mario and Pablo Aguilar over Alcoba Mario for his physicality I think that yeah he's he's a younger player than Aguilar and Alcoba, so I wanted someone a bit younger. He's a bit quicker. He's 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 got more of a physical presence about him. So I think it's important to have him in the defence. And I went with Pablo Aguilar over Alcoba for his goal scoring potential. You know, he has a real threat. He's fantastic in the air. He he can cause a lot of problems at set pieces. He gets goals. So you know those two players I think are very similar. You know, very similar players. Both absolutely fantastic players. But Aguilar offers a bit more of a goal-scoring threat, so I've gone for him. Now, right-back, much like left-back, was a tricky one. Again, not too many strong right-backs in the league. I've had to... If he comes back from injury and plays like he did before, I will have Paul Laguiar, because I I think, you know, before he was injured, he was the best right-back in the league, and he, he is the the best at combining that attacking threat with defensive solidity. You know, it's no wonder he's earned so many caps in Mexico. I think Paolo Aguilar is a really, really good player and a leader on the pitch as well. 
like I said before, Advincula could become a great player. Uh, but without, you know, without Aguilar, if he doesn't come back to his previous quality after his injury, then Nick Mekis is pretty weak for right backs. Looking through players, I'm, I'm not particularly impressed with anyone, uh, to be quite honest. And, you know, you have solid players like Israel Jimenez. He's a, you know, he's a decent player. Um, Dedos Lopez, some like, some not so sure. I'm not so sure. He offers going forward. He's not always dependable defensively. He's not always in the Pachuca team, to be honest. Um, you know, Medina often plays there, and Medina's a, a, a good player as well, but nothing special. Ivan Pires was was quite a big name when he joined for Monterrey, but I've been really, really unimpressed with him so far. You, know, you talk about fullbacks making errors. Pires is errors all over the place. So he's you know he's still starting for Monterrey, but I, I haven't been a fan of his so far. So yeah, um, assuming he comes back to the same quality, I'll go with Paul Aguilar at right back. Now in this this four two three one system, I've got really two holders in the midfield. And I didn't particularly want to go with two holders. I probably would have liked to have a more creative player in the midfield. But I just couldn't resist putting these two together. Because they would be so difficult to get through. And the two players I've gone for, two Argentines, both called Guido. You may have worked out who they are by now. Uh, Guido Pizarro and Guido Rodriguez. Now, Pizarro has been, for a long while, one of the best midfielders in Mexico. He came in fairly young when he joined Tigres. Great prospect. Took him a while for him to really show what he can do, but you know, he's developed into such an important player for uh, Tuca Ferretti's side. And you know, we, we now know what we get from Pizarro. We know it. Week in, week out, he's going to put in top-level performances. Again, like I was saying about the centre-backs, he is fantastic at intercepting. Uh, he, he's, he's strong in the tackle. You know, he can win the ball in the midfield really, really well. Fantastic at winning the ball. And he offers um, a level of creativity, but most of all, he offers keep the ball. You know, he is, above all else, the key man in Tuca Ferretti's style of play. Without Pizarro, and he's been linked with moves abroad, with, without Pizarro, I think Tigres would lose that ability to play that way. So, you know, To a large extent, I think they'd lose the ability to play to Cafaretti's possession style because he's so good at winning the ball back and then so good at keeping it. And his possession ratings are always you know, high 80%. And to be fair, he doesn't make too many risky passes, but that's his job. He wins the ball, he keeps it simple, he feeds the more creative attacking players that Tigres have. And I think he'd be perfect in this team to do just that because, as you'll see, we've got some pretty good attacking players in this side. Now, alongside him, Guido Rodriguez has been you know, a complete revelation since he joined the league. Most didn't really expect him to start. 22-year-old, played a bit in Argentina. He was competing with um, the old favourite of Piojo Herrera, Juan Carlos Medina for a defensive midfield role at Tijuana and clearly I mean you don't have to watch him for five minutes to go oh my god this guy's incredible so yeah, clearly Herrera is very impressed he started for the first minute of the first game in the Apertura and he has been absolutely sensational since 
he's like I've described him before as the Mexican ver- not the Mexican version but the Liga MX version of N'Golo Kante because he's just everywhere <laughs> he's absolutely everywhere on the pitch his reading of the game is extraordinary and he's he's nowhere near as physical or as fast as Kante so the fact that he is everywhere on the pitch is even more extraordinary and even more of a testament to how good he is at reading the game the amount of attacks he breaks up is just ridiculous in the apertura he on the um on you know winning the ball back he was first on the list by some way he wins the ball so much and most of the time he keeps it simple, but where he has an edge over Pizarro, not just because I think he's actually a better ball winner, but where he mainly has the edge over Pizarro is he has more of a threat going forward. And he's a pretty good technical player. You know, he's he's able to, to beat players, dribble around players. He's got a decent shot on him. We saw that, an example of that on the weekend. He's got a really nice strike against Leon. And he's got good vision of pass as well. Most of the time he does keep it simple. But he is able to to look for splitting balls, killer balls. And he is a must. I mean, when I think about this team, he's first name on the team sheet for me. Uh, honestly, I think he's... In terms of the performances he's put in since joining, he's been the best player in Liga Mekis for me. He really has. Absolutely extraordinary footballer. And, um, you know, teams have got to be after him for abroad. But hopefully he'll stay for a bit longer. Now... In the three behind the striker, I've got kind of, um, I guess you could call an enganche, as he is Argentine, so he kind of plays that role. Um, Centrally, the main playmaker. And then I've got two either side that wouldn't play too wide, but would have the ability to go wide. So the man in the middle is um, Pablo Barrientos of Toluca. Like... Uh, Guido Rodriguez since he's come into the league towards it wasn't right at the start of the apertura he, it was a few weeks into the season that he joined Toluca but since he joined he's been absolutely incredible and this guy has so much talent and his footballing brain is extraordinary and you might tell that this is a theme that runs through the, this team is, um, and it's it's something that you know, those who've run my stuff for a while may have figured out that I, I, I absolutely love intelligent footballers. You know, the defenders are all players who are very good at winning the ball via interceptions, reading the game. So that's their footballing intelligence. Barrientos has probably the best vision of passing the Gamiakis. His ability to pick passes is extraordinary. He's such an intelligent player. He's able to to link up so well, find little pockets of space, get on the ball, make things happen. He's been so, so good for Toluca since he joined and will be a key, key member of their um, push for in Ligia in their centenary year. So for me, he has to be in the team. You know, He's going to make things tick in that attacking midfield role. I have a side of him and with the ability to switch, I've gone for... You know, again, this was a really tough decision. There's so many good attacking midfielders in Mexico. One who was very close to making it, but they just left out the last minute, is Chucky Lozano, who, you know, obviously is a superb player. But I've gone for um, Dolan Pabon and Avila Zotado. Now, Zotado was a definite for me. 
must-have in the side. Last week I spoke, when I was speaking about Quick Mendoza, I spoke about the combination that I like for for attacking midfielders of hard work, um, technical ability and intelligence. Perhaps I should have also added phys- physicality, you know, pace. Hurtado has all of them. <laughs> he absolutely has all of them. And people have sp- speak a lot in football now about the dying number 10. You know, d- does the number 10 in the traditional sense exist anymore with the physical demands for players and how players have to work harder? You, you can't sort of carry a player anymore like perhaps the, the old number 10s like Raquel May, the classic number 10, who would kind of stand around, wouldn't do much, and but when he got on the ball was incredible. I think Hurtado is proof that the number 10 isn't dead, but it's it's changing in a way. And I, what Hurtado has, which is different to previous attacking midfielders, is that, that work ethic. And he is so willing to move off the ball. It's extraordinary. And he does so much for the team with his off-the-ball movement. He is constantly um, moving, whether he's looking for over the top, he's coming deep, he's pulling out wide. He is impossible to mark. You cannot man-mark this guy because he is on the move the whole time. And ever since I saw him for Chiapas when... He was playing um, under La Volpe with Silvio Romero up front. I said he was the best attacking midfielder in Mexico. And I I continue that belief to this day. He's been absolutely incredible since joining Tijuana. And it is a real testament to how good he is that Tijuana aren't really missing Alche and Moreno right now because they kept Tatado. And he could have gone to America over the winter, but he stayed. And that is so, so huge for Tijuana. And that's why they're still... Uh, you know, at the top of the table this season. He's he's an incredible player. He had an amazing game on Saturday. And I, I just love watching him. Absolutely love watching him. So he's, he's straight in the team for me. The other player I've gone with alongside him is Dorlan Pabon. Pabon, again, is just so good off the ball. His movement is outstanding. His dribbling ability is, is so, so good. He causes problems. He causes nightmares for defenders. The way he can twist and turn. I'm, I'm just envisioning now in my mind, when I think of Pabon, I just see him twisting and turning, sending defenders all over the place, tying them in knots. He's a, 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 such a fun player to watch. He's in the team on one condition, though. I would ban him from shooting from outside the box. And this annoys me so, so much. And I've spoken about this before, about how Monterey takes so many long shots. And Pabon is the worst. He's the absolute worst. Because he's so good at getting past defenders and finding bits of space that every single time he finds space on the edge of the box, he shoots every single time. Occasionally he scores a golasso and it's like, oh my God, this guy's so good. He's scored a goal. But he wastes so much good possession and it really kills me. And I kind of wish I could manage Monterey. Well, obviously, I'd love to manage Monterey for many reasons, but mainly just for the fact that I could stop Pabon from shooting from long range. Why Turco Mohamed hasn't, well, seemingly hasn't done anything about it yet, really, really pains me. Um, yeah, rant over. Fantastic player. 
getting to stop shooting from outside the box, he'll be, he's amazing. He's an absolutely amazing player. But if he if he takes one shot from outside the box, off he comes. Chucky Lozano, you're on, and he would be a fantastic replacement. I mean, w- watching Lozano um, develop has been one of the most enjoyable parts of being a Liga Mekis fan. I, I would say I've, yeah, since I've joined watching the league. The first season I watched, I think, was the first season he came through. I still remember him coming on as a sub against America, 17 years old. I was like, who's this guy? Lozano, never heard of him before. Comes on, scores the winner, and ever since, watching him develop has been so much fun. And, you know, he would he would be an, a fantastic member of this team, and um, hopefully, hopefully he's going to go on to great things in Europe. Really hope so. Finally, up front, do I even have to say? I've gone for Gignac. Now, I do think Gignac's overrated, but I still think he's the best striker in the league. Uh, He does miss chances, but he also, when he's on form, he's unplayable. He's absolutely unplayable. And he does a a good job all round as a striker, but mainly... A little bit of space, edge of the box, just inside the box, bang. His his shot power is quite something. And no keeper in the league can can handle when his shots are, are accurate. Um you know, when he's finding the top corner with those power those powered efforts when he comes in on that right foot, there's nothing anyone can do to stop him. So yeah, he, he has to be the striker in this team. So yeah, that's my, my team, just to run through it again. Uh, 4-2-3-1 formation. Volpi in goal. Defence of Torres Nilo, Murillo, Pablo Aguilar and Paul Aguilar. Pizarro and Rodriguez, the two Guidos at defensive midfield. Attacking midfield, three of um, Pablo Barrientos, Avila Zetardo and Dolan Pabon. And Andre Pierre Juniak up front. If you have any thoughts, opinions on my team, Feel free to let me know if you want to send in your team. Um, I would be really interested to see what you guys think. You know who you'd have in your team. Would you play a different formation? Would you, you know, go with some different players? It'd be really interesting to know. So send them in. It, this was actually a really fun thing to do. So yeah, if you've got half an hour spare, I'd, I'd recommend get out a pad and you know a pen and you know start scribbling some stuff down and see what you come up with. It's good fun. Now, I have spent 20 minutes talking about players, and at this point, after my big topic, I would normally do my player of the week. But as I've spent 20 minutes talking about players, I thought, let's mix it up and talk about our manager. Also, my player of the week this week would be Avelis Atado, and I've already spoken about him. So I'm going to talk about a manager instead, and I'm kind of going against all I believe that is holy in football, and giving praise to Carlos Reynoso. And I don't like him at all from a fan perspective I've spoken about this before he is just his style of play is not fun (laughs) it's really not fun but Veracruz were in big problems in a relegation battle and they needed to pick up results by any means possible so what they did was bring back Reynoso just a few months after they let him go. 
and it's proved to be a fantastic decision. Over the winter, they made some good additions. Um, Lalo Herrera was a great replacement for Furch. They've brought in Arevalo Rios to control that midfield. Christian Alvarez is, is an improvement for the defence. And Jorena has um, brought creativity to the side that was missing before. Freddy Anastroso is, I think, an improvement on, on some of the wingers that they had before. And, you know, like Meneses, who wasn't, wasn't doing very well. And they've picked up three wins from five games. All have come at home, and all have come as a result of clean sheets. Uh, there was a 1-0 victory over Carretero, 1-0 over Atlas, 2-0 over Chiapas. None of these are great teams, to be honest. They're all, you know, Chiapas are struggling in relegation battle, Atlas and Veracruz are, you know, most of the time near the bottom of the table in recent seasons. These are the games that you have to win if you're in the relegation battle. And these are the sorts of wins which Reynoso can get. So credit to Veracruz for bringing him back. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't with a long-term vision. But in terms of we have to stay up, you know, we need to bring in someone that we know can do the job for us. Reynoso is the perfect man. And credit to Reynoso that so far he's doing it. How he'll perform over the long term, who knows. Um, but three wins from five games has put them in a strong position to stay up. In Morelia and Chiapas, uh, the main candidates, Morelia, are looking a lot of trouble now. I know there's a fair amount to go in the season, but so far, Veracruz have given themselves a bit of breathing space with these results. So, yeah, credit to Reynoso. It's not pretty, not exciting, but it's getting the job done. And at the end of the day, as much as we as fans, myself, love to watch exciting football and, um, you know, it's fun to watch that. And it's not fun to watch defensive, pragmatic styles. And I was talking about this the other week, but it's a results business. And there are jobs on the line. There are, you know, clubs' futures are on the line if they get relegated um, and if they don't pick up results for, you know, for some teams it might be get, if they don't get into Ligia so it can be hard at times but I have to accept that this is the way the football is and so you have to give credit to teams that pick up results however however they do it because you, know, you, don't, you don't get three wins from five games by pure luck so there we go. Credit, credit to Reynoso. All right, let's move on to some questions. And yeah, after the joy of talking about Reynoso, I now have the joy of talking about Ruben Bolta leaving Liga Miyake. So thank you to um, Raúl at the Colourful Kit and to Mia at Lazonino for reminding me that Ruben left Liga Miyake this week. Um. Raul, the colourful kit, asks, who is your new botter now that he left Liga Mirake? So yeah, let's look to the future and talk about a new botter. Well, I mean, there is no real replacement for him, but what I can say is that while he'll be missed, he, 
you know, I, I can deal with it because in Liga Miakis we have so many exciting players to watch. I could spend ages listing all the players I love to watch in Liga Miakis. But one player I'm going to talk about as perhaps the new player that I'm going to keep a really close eye on and really enjoy watching. And for completely different reasons to Botter, actually. Well, sort of different reasons to Botter. Is Mateus. Mateus Gonzalez, who is owned by Pachuca, currently on loan at Chiapas, 22-year-old Brazilian uh, wide midfielder. And Mateus is completely different to Botter in the sense that where Botter had... It's weird, they're different but similar. I'm trying to explain this. But Botter was, had incredible intelligence in terms of, you know, he, he'd pick passes that just didn't exist you know he'd be picking passes that you couldn't see from a bird's eye view which was extraordinary but he also didn't have intelligence in that he, he he'd kind of he'd pick these passes at the wrong moments you know he'd he'd pick passes where they're like he'd see the pass but the player who needs to make the run to get into the position hadn't seen the pass so perhaps he was too clever for his own good that's how i've somehow sometimes described it but yeah he he was ridiculously clever, but also not. Uh, Mateus is just, is just not clever <laughs> at all. He is as raw a talent as I've ever seen. And why he's so exciting is I don't think anyone in Liga Mekis is faster with the ball at their feet. Even Jurgen Dam, who is, was apparently the second fastest player in the world with the ball at his feet through that. Um, study that FIFA ratified that Pachuca did a few years ago I, I think Mateus might be even faster he is ridiculously quick and as well as that he's got a box of tricks he's got moves up his sleeve but at the moment he has no idea when to use them he has no idea how to use them he has no idea when he should pass and link up with his teammates so he is as, he is as raw a talent as I've ever seen but my, what a talent he is. Oh, if, he's, if he keeps getting game time as he is at Chiapas right now, if he's coached well, as I think Bueno is a good coach, hopefully we're going to see him develop um, rapidly. And I think he has the potential to be extraordinary. I mean, I think he has the potential to play in Europe. I think he has the potential to be one of the best players in, in Mexico. And at the moment, he's a, so much fun to watch because... You, you you never know what's going to happen when he gets the ball. Much like when Botter got the ball. You never know what's going to happen. So, Mateus Gonzalez, I think, is going to be the player that I'm, I'm going to bang on about a little bit for a few weeks, if not longer. And I'd highly recommend you guys keep an eye on him. Um, the next one about Botter is, uh, could Sergio Vergara replace Botter? So, Sergio Vergara, if you don't know, 22-year-old Chilean winger, who joined Pachuca from Celaya. He's come on as a sub a couple of times. I don't think he's going to replace Botter because he's a completely different player, but very small um, little winger. Looks tricky, looks looks interesting. Looks like he's got talent there. Um, 11 goals for Celaya last, uh, in the Apertura is impressive. So even though it's the centre, that's still very impressive. So yeah, he's definitely one to watch and hopefully he'll get some game time for Pachuca. Now, next one comes from at Kachika. 
and Sonny asks, uh, underrated disco group. Now, we spoke about this before, Sonny, so I'm bringing this up again, and I know you won't like my answer, but I'm bringing this up. It's definitely Shalimar, okay? And you underrate them massively. I think that Shalimar didn't... Well, actually, I know that Shalimar didn't get as much... Um, have as much success in the US as they did in the UK. The second time around, the song did really well in the US, but none of their songs went really anywhere in in America. But in the UK, they're a lot bigger. So, um, A Night to Remember, I Can Make You Feel Good, There It Is, were all top 10 hits, I can tell you. And they're all songs that uh, I've heard a lot in my life. I all, and they're all fantastic songs. I all re- also really like Friends, um, Take That to the Bank, Make That Move, uh, songs I, I love. They also had a big influence because uh, Jeffrey Daniel, one of the members, were on a show called Top of the Pops. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It was a show in the UK where they have, you know, the, the kind of what music in the charts and they have some live acts and stuff. And on Top of the Pops, he did the moonwalk for the first time in on TV in the UK. And Michael Jackson um, was a massive fan of Shalimar and took the moonwalk from Jeffrey Daniel and then obviously made it his signature move and now it's it's one of the most famous dance moves in the world. So, but actually, Jeffrey Daniel was the first to do it in the UK. So they've had a big influence in that sense as well. Um, loads of great songs. You should listen to them more. I think you underrate them a lot. And next, um, Johnny Rico, again, may have heard of him. At Johnny Rico on Twitter asks, is Cecilio Dominguez going to dot, 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 make America great again? Good start. Good start. Uh, I'm not going to talk about politics. I don't want to. I'm just going to talk about Dominguez. Great start for America. Two goals in two games, I think, is really, really crucial because... America's a tough place to play. Lots of demanding fans. I think Johnny is the real perfect example of an America fan and how much an America fan demands of their team because of the history of the club. They have won more Liga MX titles than any other team in Mexico. They have this history of success. They have history of being great. And... Fans expect them to continue to do that. I don't think they've done enough in the transfer window to be a great team. I think they're a good team. I think they have a chance to win the win the Liga MX title, but I don't think they're a great team. And I still think they're working out their best system. And you know, La Volpe has been. He's tried different things. He's tried different players, but on Dominguez. The fact that he's got two goals in his first two games, even though they weren't particularly great. The fact that he's starting to link up well with, with his fellow attackers um, at America is really positive for him. I think he's going to continue to get quite a lot of game time. And yeah, he, he looks a, a great talent. So hopefully we're going to see him be a really exciting player to watch in Mexico for the rest of the season and, and longer. Yeah, so good start. But... On his own, not enough to make America great again, I'd say. All right, two questions to go. Next one from at Reed Manier, who asks, Eddie Howe or Sean Dyche? Uh, definitely Eddie Howe. Massive, massive fan of him. I think what he's done in his two spells at Bournemouth to take them from 
they were in League Two, so the fourth tier of English football, and they had a 17-point deduction due to some you know, financial problems. He kept them up that season, and you know, in two spells at the club, he's taken them from there to the Premier League. And a side that looks like they should stay up for the second consecutive season, it's absolutely incredible what he's done. Dyke has done a good job at Burnley, um, but he's a bit boring. <laughs> he also probably has the the deepest sort of roughest voice in football. <laughs> um, yeah, no credit to Dyke. He's, he's he's doing really well at Burnley. You know, the home form is it looked like he's it's going to keep Burnley up, but how extraordinary job and. Uh, I hope he stays at Bournemouth for a while because I'd love to see how far he can go with them. But I imagine he's going to get a big offer sooner or later, perhaps Arsenal in the summer because it looks like Wenger isn't going to get his contract extended. So I think he could go to Arsenal in the summer. Finally, from uh, At Cycling and Soccer, who asked, do you watch any other league than... Do you, sorry, do you closely watch any other league than Liga Mekis? Well, I don't watch anything as closely as Liga Mekis. I, I, I wouldn't have the time to, to be honest. You know, I follow Liga Mekis very, very closely. I watch as many games as I possibly can. I watch all the highlights of the games I miss. I look up all the stats of games. I read articles from all the other English writers. So, yeah, I don't follow any league as closely. I, I don't want to, to be honest. Other leagues I watch, I watch Premier League because and, and and obviously Premier League I, I'm surrounded by it when I'm in England and all you know all my friends are talking about it so I watch some I don't particularly like the Premier League that much it's it's not really my style of play I watch some Bundesliga some Serie A some La Liga and obviously Champions League Europa League I love the Champions League. I really love the Champions League. I'd say, in terms of competitions, that's the one I follow the most after Liga Mekis. And domestic league-wise, probably Serie A. Uh, Serie A is easy for me to watch when I'm in the UK because it's on um, a channel called BT Sport, which I have on my TV. So I get all the games. I think they do really good coverage. You know, I, I like the commentators that they have for Serie A games. Certainly, I, I like them a lot more than the Premier League commentators. I, I can't stand Premier League commentators. Um, but yeah, so Serie A has probably become my second favourite league in the world. But I don't watch, I don't follow it anywhere near as close as I do Liga Mekis because yeah, I don't have the time, and I don't want to. All right, guys, um, a little bit longer this one. I rambled a lot about that. Uh, that Liga Mekis All-Star team but hopefully you enjoyed and yeah, as I said if, if you want to have a, have a bit of fun put together your own Liga Mekis All-Star team go ahead send it to me I'd be really interested to see it if you did enjoy the uh, episode of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra then as ever I'd really appreciate it if you helped me to share this out and um, apart from that have a good week guys and I'll speak to you all next week Tira centro. ¡Gol!